Hello and welcome to The Woman Who. I'm Clara Ampho. And in this series, I'll be bringing you the remarkable stories of some of the world's most inspirational women. From pioneers of fashion, literature and television to the boldest activists, athletes and campaigners. These are the tales of the fearless. Women who have defied convention, broken boundaries and pushed the limits of what's possible. I'll be taking a deep dive into their lives, reliving their struggles and setbacks, their loves and losses, and how they overcame every obstacle in their path to achieve unimaginable success. These women are the real deal. This is the story of the woman who stopped talking to white people about race. Best-selling author and award-winning journalist, Rennie Edo-Lodge. Rennie Edo-Lodge was only four years old when she asked her mother what she thought was a simple question. When would she turn white? Rennie's Nigerian mother was confused. What could her daughter mean? Well, Rennie explained, whenever she watched TV, all the good people were white. And all the bad people were black and brown. Rennie knew she was a good person, so of course, she expected that she would eventually become white too. Her mother explained that this was not how it worked and would remember Rennie's crestfallen face for years to come. And Rennie would remember that moment too, and all that it revealed about growing up black in a culture whose racism ran so deep that even a four-year-old girl in North London could pick up on its cues. For Rennie, unpacking that racism would become more than a family story. It would become her life's work, reaching millions of people along the way. When she got to the University of Central Lancashire to study English literature, Rennie was introduced to feminism, the same way generations of women had before her, reading Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex. She was electrified by the book's ideas about womanhood and decided to get involved in feminist activism. It was a lonely choice. As she had later said, it felt at times like she was the only feminist on campus. Working at the student newspaper, her mostly male colleagues would laugh at her feminist ideas. One fellow student journalist even hung up pictures of topless women in the paper's office. So Rennie sought solidarity elsewhere, spending her student loan money to travel the country and attend feminist conferences. At these meetings, she spoke with women across Britain about their experiences of patriarchy, and what could be done to make the world a better place for women and girls. Often though, Rennie found herself to be the only black woman at these gatherings, and nobody seemed to want to talk about how white women's struggles differed from black women's. Feminism was helping me to become a more critical, confident woman, Rennie wrote, and in turn, it was helping me come to terms with my blackness. But when she brought up her ideas about race, she was met with defensiveness, deflection, and worse. 
Once, at a feminist conference, on a sign-up sheet to join a breakout session of black feminists, someone had scribbled the word, why? Rennie was extremely frustrated. If these women could understand the historic injustices against women, why couldn't they imagine the same forces of discrimination and violence against black people? She began seeking out other black feminists to continue these conversations. It was a powerful experience, and it gave her the tools to begin to set boundaries for herself. As a rising journalist, her voice was gaining more prominence across Britain. But with that success came more pylons, from those who didn't like the simple fact that a black British woman had the nerve to say that Britain had a racism problem. Not only from the far right, but from fellow feminists. One day, Rennie sat down to channel her frustrations into a blog post. It was 2014, the era of abundant blogs. And Rennie had been writing her since she was 19 years old. It didn't have many readers, but that has never stopped a blogger from blogging. It was a rather bleak time in Rennie's life. She was sleeping on a mattress on the floor as her landlord had failed to provide a proper bed. She was working part-time in a pub for £60 a week, writing with chillblains on her fingers at a cold kitchen table to save on heating bills. And her problems with the state of feminist activism continued to plague her. So she put her thoughts into her post under the simple daring title, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. She had had enough. The post was a way to explain her decision to step back from draining conversations with those who refused to acknowledge even the simplest understanding of racism in Britain. It began, I'm no longer engaging with white people on the topic of race. Not all white people, just the vast majority who refuse to accept the legitimacy of structural racism and its symptoms. I can no longer engage with the gulf of an emotional disconnect that white people display when a person of colour articulates their experience. The post went on. I can't talk to white people about race anymore because of the consequent denials, awkward cartwheels and mental acrobatics that they display when this is brought to their attention. Rennie was done prioritising white people's feelings while talking about black people's struggles. Not only was it exhausting, it felt dangerous opening a door to accusations of being an angry black woman or painted as a bully. It simply wasn't worth it anymore. Rennie hit publish. She felt relief. She had said what she'd wanted to say. That was that. But it wasn't. For the first time, her blog was going viral. It spread like wildfire across the internet and across the world. Rennie braced herself for racist abuse, but instead, she started to hear from fellow black and brown people thanking her for articulating their experience. Her writing had made others feel they were not alone. Though the blog post had felt like the end of her journey talking about race, in many ways, it was actually the beginning. Ironically, Rennie says, I now spend most of my time talking to white people about race. But she does so on her own terms, 
in a book by the same title as her infamous blog post published in 2017 by Bloomsbury. In the expanded book, she wrote about Black British history, the issues of race and feminism and class politics and more. She even had the bravery to face down the former leader of the far-right British National Party, Nick Griffin, in an interview. She wrote in the book's introduction, I won't ever stop myself from speaking about race. Every voice raised against racism chips away at its power. We can't afford to stay silent. This book is an attempt to speak. She spoke and Britain listened. Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race ended up selling more than one million copies across editions. It won the prestigious Jalluk Prize and the British Book Award and Nonfiction Narrative Book of the Year. Rennie became the first black British author to top the Nielsen charts. When my book was featured on an episode of EastEnders, she said of the book's success, it truly hit home to me that it had become a cultural phenomenon. Of course, the reaction was not all pretty. She'd heard from booksellers about angry white customers demanding they not stock her book. She was pursued by racist trolls, both online and in person. Those who reacted with hate, though, were not the only people who scared her. So did those who turned to her with reverence, expecting her to provide all the answers to how they should live their lives and engage with the work of anti-racism. As she told Emma Watson in an interview, there's a reason I'm a writer, not a politician or a cult leader. She never set out to be a supreme arbiter of all that is right and wrong. But in a new political landscape shaped by Brexit and the election of Donald Trump, and in the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd in the summer of 2020, which sparked civil rights protests, Rennie's book had become a resource. So did her podcast about race, which tops the UK podcast charts years after its initial release. Suddenly, people were seeking out the kind of critical discussions of racism that Rennie had once struggled to find herself. For Rennie, the book's success is bigger than herself. I see it as something separate from me, she says, something that belongs to its readers. Nevertheless, she is proud of the work it's done to explain and challenge racism in Britain. Growing up, she'd only ever learnt about anti-racist struggles in the American context. Her book helped to change that for millions of readers. Most importantly, it has worked to inspire those that can carry on her work where she's left it. We've reached a tipping point, she writes, and I'm glad that my book has served as a catalyst. If you're disgusted by what you see, and if you feel the fire coursing through your veins, then it's up to you. You don't have to be a leader of a global movement or a household name. The Woman Who podcast series has been brought to you by Fennec, the UK's department store of distinction since 1882. Tune in each week to uncover the story of a new inspirational woman and head to fennec.co.uk for more information. If you've been enjoying Fennec's stories of inspiring women, 
please don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app. Why not share it too, as it helps other people to hear about it. The Woman Who is a Radio Wolfgang production, written by Hannah Jewell and read by me, Clara Antho. The producer is Cass Denton. Sound design is by Ivor Manley. And the executive producer is Ellie Di Martino. Hold up. 